Good morning, Westover. It's good to see you this morning. We are glad to have you here on Mother's Day. What a great day. This is the weekend that we celebrate moms, and moms, we wish you the happiest of Mother's Days. I am here this morning with two of our pastor's wives. Pastor Lindsay is our worship pastor, and Pastor Dara is our youth pastor's wife of over uh, middle school, our middle school youth pastor's wife. So if those of you who don't know who they are, that's who they are here this morning with me. And we're going to talk about motherhood this morning, specifically about the surprises and the challenges of motherhood. Motherhood is full of both of those, surprises and challenges. And we have these ladies who are going to share their stories and, and their, their view with you this morning of their surprises and their challenges that they have gone through. They're kind of at two separate places in life. Dara has a brand, brand new baby, precious baby, little girl. And Pastor Lindsay has a little boy and a little girl. I'll let you tell them all about that. Pastor Lindsay, tell us what was the biggest surprise for you in becoming a mother? biggest surprise but first like pastor me said um i do i have a son and a daughter my daughter is almost six years old and my son is four uh, michaela and mason the biggest surprise in becoming a mom is that no matter how much you prepare you're never really prepared you think that you go into it knowing you're going to be sleep deprived but you sleep less than you thought was possible (laughs) you cry more more than you probably knew you could but tears of joy, tears of, of frustration, sorrow, don't know what to do. But you love harder than you could have ever imagined. And so even though people tell you that you're going to love more than you ever knew you could, you don't really know until you experience yes. it. And that was a surprise. That's true. Dara, how about you? Well, for me, um, like Pastor said, we have a beautiful two-month-old baby. Um, and she is just gorgeous. She looks just like her daddy. Um, no matter what he says, he look, she just lo- just like him. So um, there's no denying. But I think the biggest surprise for me was just how in love I was with her. Um, just getting to go through our pregnancy. We knew um, there was exciting things coming up. But there's no other moment like when, when they first lay them on your chest and you get to just feel their, bre- their breathing and just seeing them smile back at you and their big eyes. And that was probably the biggest surprise, just how in love and how awe- in awe I was of what God was doing um, already through her life. Yeah, that's awesome. I think I remember one of my biggest surprises was we have two daughters. So the first one, they're three years apart. The first one, you know, you get, you get this mother thing down and you think you got it good. And then number two comes along and they are so different. They are like night and day and you can't treat this one the way you treat this one and you have to learn to parent differently. And, and that's a joy and a challenge. But um, yes, there's, there's lots of that. Um, tell us a little bit about your biggest challenge that you see as, as being a mom. Uh, the biggest challenge that we've had to walk through as parents is my son Mason. When he was about two years old, we started noticing that he wasn't developing and talking as much as the other kids his age. We started noticing that he uh, couldn't interact with them the same way that they were with each other. And so we were a little concerned, and most of our friends would tell us, oh, you know, boys talk slower than girls, and you're comparing him to Michaela. Um, But I knew somewhere on the inside that something was wrong. And so we kept on trying and, 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 you know, trying to help him as much as we knew how. And it was right before he turned three. He was pretty much nonverbal. And at three years old, we took him to the pediatrician for his checkup, and I asked him, 
and they encouraged me to get in touch with the local school district to get him involved in a speech therapy, and that's what we did, and I had no clue the journey that we were going to start on, and uh, through testing and evaluations and questions, they would sit and observe him for hours, and through that, they've discovered that he does have a language disability, and Mason learns language, and he speaks at a much slower rate than kids his age. They don't have a why. They don't have answers. There's nothing wrong with him. He hasn't been diagnosed with anything that would cause it, but there it is. And so my challenge in the moment was, how do, how do I do this? What did I do wrong? Where did I fail him as a mom? How was I supposed to sit in this room with doctors and diagnosticians and speech therapists and watch them ask my child questions and me knowing that he wasn't going to respond? And all the fears that were going to come along with that. What if my child never speaks? What if there's something wrong and they're missing something? And what did I do wrong? And, and that was the challenge. Not the challenge that he couldn't speak. It was the challenge of the fear that was on the inside of my heart as a mom for my son. And, but through it, we have learned God is so faithful. And my husband and I, we talk about it all the time. He's now four years old. And he's enrolled in the Learning Center here, and he is in a special program through the school district. And I'm so thankful to say that Mason is speaking. He's not quite there yet, but we are on our way. We are on our journey. And his life is such a testimony to what God is doing in our family. And, And I truly believe that what the enemy meant for harm and what the enemy meant for distraction and to be a root of fear in my heart, God has completely turned it into good and for glory for him. And it has been a testimony of God's faithfulness in our family. Amen. Every mother, I think, can can identify with when your child faces a challenge or your child is hurting. That that aches your heart. That just weighs very heavy on you. Every mother understands that. Dara had a a totally different kind of challenge. Dara, share that with us this morning. Yeah, for us, the biggest challenge was to even be able to, to get pregnant and have baby Gracie. Um, at the age of 15, I was actually diagnosed with PCOS, and I was told that I wasn't going to be able to get pregnant at all. Um, now, as a 15-year-old, it's hard to hear that, but as the years go by, I kind of came to terms with it. Um, I kind of got used to the symptoms, and I just move along, um, but then I met my husband, And I kind of told him, you know, I can't get pregnant, so we're going to need to adopt. But if you know my husband, he's not a guy that will just sit and say, okay, let's just adopt. Um, He's a person that will fight for what he wants. And he prayed and prayed and prayed. Um, He's a man of faith. So for two years, he prayed nonstop. Um, In the third year, we got pregnant. And I wasn't shocked. It was actually on his birthday that I was able to tell him that we were pregnant. Um, And there was a lot of mixed emotions. There was excitement. There was kind of the wonder of how did this happen? And he knew because he had been praying. And I just kind of let him pray for it. Um, And we we went through that season. But unfortunately, a couple weeks later, um, I miscarried our first baby. Um, and, And the questions of why. Why, if I had already come to terms with not being able to get pregnant, why would God allow me to get pregnant and then take my baby away? Um, And I almost even blamed my husband a little bit because he had prayed so hard for it. Um, But I just, all I knew is that I needed to keep pushing through. I needed to keep going because God wasn't done. 
So we continue to pray, we continue to trust, and a year later we got pregnant again. Now, if you can imagine, all those emotions came rushing back. Um, just kind of trying to enjoy this pregnancy, trying to figure out what this was going to look like. Um, we were able to carry for my first trimester, um, and it was a, a great first trimester. Um, we went to a doctor's appointment to just do a checkup, um, and the nurse, just after she did the ultrasound, she just looked at me, and um, she said, there's no more heartbeat. Your baby's mm. gone. Wow. Um, baby had passed away a couple days before the ultrasound, um, and I was angry. I was angry at God. I was angry at the situation, mm. the not understanding why were we going through this all over again. I was just recovering from our first loss, and we were there again. So in ministry, you can't just sit back and be angry because we're youth pastors. We tell <laughs> our students every single day, Jesus loves you. He has a purpose for your life. He has perfect timing. Yet I was so angry and so frustrated at the God that I was preaching about. But throughout that process, my faith grew stronger. And, and God just did an amazing work in our marriage. He brought us closer together, brought me closer to God. Um, and we just continue to push through. We continue to just pray and trust. And two years later, we moved down to San Antonio, not knowing um, what the future was going to hold, not knowing where God was going to send us. Um, and he brought us across some amazing doctors. Um, doctors that within a couple of appointments were able to figure out what was wrong and what was causing me to miscarry. Um, and even though it was hard to go through one more surgery, um, we did it. They asked me to go through one more surgery um, to figure some things out. And the doctor told me, you know, you should be able to be pregnant within six months. Um, and I told my husband, you know, I'm going to hold on to that. But I'm not trusting just the doctor's word. I'm trusting that God can yes. help me get pregnant in six months. Yes. And to the day, six months later, I was pregnant. Um, and we were, again, in shock. But something told me that this was it. I wasn't going to lose this baby again. I wasn't going to go through the pain again. I was going to get to keep this baby. Um, my pregnancy was perfect. It wasn't yeah. high risk. Um, baby girl is healthy and strong. Um, and now we're just... We're thankful. We're thankful that God brought us to the journey. Um, we don't know the exact why. Um, all I know is that I'm closer to him. I'm closer to my husband. And now we get to enjoy um, our baby girl. Beautiful little Gracie. Yeah. What a blessing. Amen. Well, both of you have had your own set of challenges. Through that, tell me what is your heart's deepest prayer for your kids? Lindsay? For mine, it's that they would always love God, that they would always serve him, that they would always chase after him. I know that no matter what they decide to do in life, no matter what season or challenges that life will throw their way, if they continually seek him, right. that God will hold, hold them and that they, won't, that they won't fall, that God's faithful. Yes. Amen. I think for me, it's just that she knows that she is a miracle and that God already has such a big plan for her life. Um, and just for her to remember that she is loved, not just by us, but by her Heavenly Father. Mm. And that he has just incredible things for her, regardless of um, if she wants to be a teacher, a pastor, whatever she wants to be. Um, and we're, we're just glad that we get to be a part of that. Yeah, And he does have awesome things in store for all of them. Amen. Well, you know, motherhood is not just the joys and the surprises and the challenges. It's also tears and smiles. 
There's lots of smiles with your kids, smiles when your babies are born. You know, I remember holding them when I first held them after they were born and, and the smile that comes across your heart and your face. They grow up and I remember having smiles when my daughters would partake in band con concerts and birthday parties and smiles when they would come home from school with macaroni sprayed gold that they made into a Christmas ornament for me. I still have some of those today. Smiles when they would ask for a second helping at dinner of something that I made when I know I made their favorite thing. I did that on purpose and they would ask for seconds. That just brings a smile. It's a small thing, but it's a smile for a mom's heart. You know, our daughters are now grown and have kids of their own. Um, and the, one of the biggest smiles that is on my heart is when I see them living out the values that we, that we raised them with. Living out our values brings a huge smile to my heart. You know, there were smiles that they never knew about when I would go in their room at night and just watch them sleep. Mom, do you watch your kids sleep? It just, it brings a joy to your heart. Um, joy, smiles when they had been sick and, and all of a sudden you see them, they're better and they're asking to eat and they're even being honoring. You know they're feeling better. <laughs> you know, there's lots of, lots of joys and smiles in motherhood, but yet there are also tears. Tears when we have to let go at different stages in life. There's lots of letting go moments. I remember Danae is our oldest. I remember the first day I dropped her off at kindergarten and I watched her walk across the lawn into the school and I just cried tears of letting go, you know. And then 12 or 13 years later, we took her to college and we dropped her off. And again, I watched her walk across the lawn of, of the college to her dorm and I cried tears. There were tears that day. That was hard. Those, those letting go moments bring tears. Uh, I dropped, when I dropped them off both for their first day of school, there's tears. And, and then you adjust to that. And then there's more tears when they move from elementary to middle school. And, you know, you've had three years to adjust to that. And then, boom, there's more tears when they go from middle school to high school. And it's, it's a process all along the way. I remember shedding tears of my own when they would come home one day from school and, and walk straight to their bedroom and bury their face in their pillow and cry because either they'd lost a friendship that something happened that day or um, a boyfriend had broken their heart. I wanted to bring some tears that day to some people. Um, I remember that. Makes, makes mama's anger rise up. I, there were tears on days that I had to keep my thoughts and my opinions to myself because they were working through something and this was a grow-up moment for them, something they had to grow up in and they had to, to learn on their own and I had to keep my opinions to myself while they did that. You know, there were times we would take them. I remember one time my daughters both took a trip to Europe together and I remember taking them to the airport and I smiled as I hugged them goodbye but when they got on the plane, I, I cried tears just watching that plane take off, knowing my kids are going to Europe. Oh. Um, there were tears when I would give in at moments when not... I didn't give in because I felt like what I was trying to instill in them and my rules were too hard, but because I was trying to pull my girls closer to me at that moment. And, and my, my rule was not the most important thing. My daughters were the most important thing. So I was trying to pull them closer to me and now they're both raised and have kids of their own, and I get to cry tears when I see them dealing with the stresses of motherhood themselves. And, you know, they're, they're training their kids in the way that they were raised. 
and that, that brings tears of, of joy also. There are, there are smiles when you hold them and there are tears when you let them go. Because moms, I know you believe your children are amazing and they can do anything in life and they mean everything to you. Um, one memory that I have of my daughters is coming home from school and they would bring me a little note. You know, they send home notes for Mother's Day. They've made you a card or whatever. And the, the note that they wrote, the letters are misshaped or sideways or backwards or, you know, they make D's for B's or whatever. And they, then the smiles at the bottom when the X's nose at the bottom of the page are, are smiles for a mother's heart. You know, your kids are priceless, and they bring so many smiles to you, and they bring tears of joy, and tears because you know they're not perfect, and that's okay. That's okay. Smiles when our kids win at life. Wow, that's a big smile for, for moms. When, when you see your kids win, that brings a big smile to your heart, and tears of joy when you see them put God first in their life. That's so important. Motherhood is full of surprises, it's full of challenges, certainly full of prayers for our kids. There are times of smiles and there are times of tears. But moms, I want to tell you today, on Mother's Day, my prayer for you is that you will have so many smiles related to your kids and the only tears you shed today will be tears of joy. I wish you happy, happy Mother's Day. God bless you. In New Orleans, Louisiana, there is a monument to honor the life of a mother and daughter. The reason is in 1898, that mother and daughter was on a ship. It was a steamboat. It would collide with another ship and it would sink. Over 700 passengers were on the ship. Less than 170 survived. The mother and daughter did not survive. Something very interesting happened after that. Because the mother and the daughter had large estates, the courts were in a dilemma on, on which name and which person to administer the estate through. The mother, her large estate, she said in her will that all of her belongings were to go to her daughter unless her daughter preceded her in death. And in that case, her estate was to go to a named charity. The daughter, the daughter said that upon her death, all of her estate was to go to a named charity unless, unless she preceded her mother in death and her mother survived her. In that case, all of her estate was to go to her mother. The courts had a dilemma. Under whose name were the states to be the estates to be administered under the mother or the daughter and which name charity would be the recipients. It went through the court system in the year 1900. The Supreme Court in Louisiana made a determination. The Supreme Court said that the estates were to be settled and administered under the name of the daughter. Both both died in this terrible tragedy. But here's what the court said. The court said that 
The daughter had to have survived for a few minutes longer than the mother because it's in the nature of every mother to protect her children. And the court said that no doubt to her last breath, she was holding her daughter above the waterline, hoping her daughter would survive. And she, according to the court, had to have passed away first because it's in the nature of a mother to protect the child. The heart of a mother. The heart of a mother. In 1974, the great Hank Aaron would hit his 715th home run. He would surpass at that moment uh, Babe Ruth's great record. And he would become the Hall of Fame home run, hit, home run hitter for the Braves and the uh, baseball. Just, just a great, great player. That moment came just 10 years after the Civil Rights Act. There was still a lot of tension in America. And as Hank Aaron began to get closer to Babe Ruth's record, the Braves and Hank Aaron began to receive death threats. That if, that if he as an African-American man was to somehow pass Babe Ruth, there would be a threat against him and someone was threatening to kill him. So much so that when they, the Braves would travel, they would get a hotel room for Babe Ruth, excuse me, for Hank Aaron. But no one was in the room, and Hank Aaron would stay in another room under an assumed name. So if anybody broke into the room to try to kill Hank Aaron, they would find an empty room. And that's how they had to deal with the, the death threats. The moment came, though, Hank Aaron hit that 715th home run. And he would go into baseball history. He rounded the bases, and as he moved from third base towards home, the his team members came out at home plate and they greeted them there. His father raced on, out onto the, to the ball field and shook his hand. And his mother, Estella, ran out on the field and wrapped herself around him. Just enveloped Hank Aaron in her arms and she refused to let go. Most people thought it was to congratulate him. The true story is... She was making herself a human shield. If anyone was to fire a rifle or a gun to try to harm her boy, she would be the human shield. And she would not let go of Hank Aaron because she wanted to protect her boy. The heart of a mother. You see, a mother, moms, you hold your kids' hands for a moment, but you hold their heart for a lifetime the heart of a mother every one of us all the sons and daughters in this room our mothers have deposited something in our life and something in our spirit and many of us have have escaped some scrapes and some issues and mom has prayed us through and stood by and been there for us time and time again there's an interesting verse in the Gospel of John, chapter 19, verse number 25. It's the account of Jesus as he hangs on the cross. His body is bloodied and battered. There are rusty nails in his hands and his feet. And in a few moments, 
he will die on that cross giving his life as a sacrifice for all humanity the disciples have left him the 12 is up they're dispersed they're dismayed they've gone they're in hiding they're nowhere to be found but there's an interesting comment given to us in the gospel of john and it says and near the cross of jesus stood his mother hmm. mary was there near the cross of jesus stood his mother and i think it's in the heart of a mother she never gives up never walks away something god has put within you moms for your kids and your grandkids you hold on for the best for them the best dream no matter what happens no matter what occurs in their life you're always there and i just wonder it's not in scripture but allow my sanctified imagination for a moment i wonder if mary thought in herself to herself oh i'd take his place spiritually she couldn't know spiritually she could not die for the sins of the world but but from the heart of the mother i wonder i wonder if she was saying i'd take his place the heart of a mother the heart of a mother i've had moments in which i i have done ministry in prisons and jails gone in held services and preached i've had a privilege of sitting down and talking with prison wardens my own sister-in-law was a, at one time was a prison warden and i've talked to her and other prison wardens and here's what prison wardens will tell me here's what they'll say when no one else will come visit mama will no matter what their son or daughter has done mama will always be there and here's what one prison warden told me as long as mom is alive mom will make sure the other family members visit that one family member in jail but if mama's ever lost it's not uncommon for that inmate to not receive another visit you see there's something about a mom the heart of a mother she chases after she longs for the best for her son and daughter yes I recall a little over a year ago I lost my mother she passed away in March she had a fall I was visiting back and forth in the hospital flying there and flying back to preach here on the weekend and it was late January I was there and most of the time mom did not know me one time she thought I was her dad one time she she thought I was a doctor and attendant she didn't know who I was but I had one moment my last moment moment and that I had a cognizant conversation with my mom before she stepped down that long dark hallway of Alzheimer and dementia and I would say to bye to her for the last time my last cognizant conversation she knew who I was do you know what my mom's last conversation was? Yes. She asked about you. She asked me, how's the church? Mom, she's with me for a moment. Mom is back for a moment. They're doing well. Everything is good. She said, praise the Lord. And then she stepped down that long hallway of dementia. She never. Pardon me. She never returned. 
our last conversation were about the things of God. I'm speaking to sons and daughters today. Can I tell you, your grandmother, your mother's prayer for you is that you would serve God. She's prayed for you. She's spoken into you. Oh, she's glad that you get the promotion. She's, she's thrilled that you get the new car. She, she loves it that you've got a raise. But if you ask her heart, what's important but that you serve God all the days of your life. And I'm talking to people right now that need to come back to the Lord. Your mom has prayed for you. Your mom has stood by you. Grandma has poured her prayers over your life. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to have that reconnection moment with God. Some of have just kind of put God on the back burner. You've kind of gone your own way and your own path. But something is calling your heart back today. You sense it. Perhaps your mother's here in the church with you right now. Maybe she's already in heaven. But her voice and her spirit still calls to you. That's the voice of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to invite you to make a full heart commitment to Jesus today. Moms, and I say to you, continue to believe the best and pray for your kids. You hold their hands for a moment, but you can hold their heart for a lifetime. If you need to make a heart commitment to Jesus, you can do so now. This may not even be your home church, that's all right. The most important thing is your relationship with God. And I'm going to invite you to do something all across this audience, to bow your heads and close your eyes balcony to the main floor to bow your head and close your eyes and on this Mother's Day I want to ask you is all things right with the Lord is everything all right with the Lord or have you wandered have you strayed has success taken you down a path that God has been on the back burner and something in your heart is calling you back to the Lord have you made some mistakes Maybe even thinking, I've, I've got too far from God. I've, I've made such a wreck of things. God, God can never, God can never give up. God can never rescue me from it. I've given up on God. Well, God has not given up on you. And yes, you can come to the Lord. You see, in repentance and in prayer, when we call upon the name of the Lord, the Bible says, whosoever, and I'm glad it says that, it doesn't say the well, the wealthy, and the good. It says whosoever, whosoever calls on the name of the Lord can be saved. And today, today, you can reconnect with God in a personal and a meaningful way. And if that is you, and you know you need to reconnect with God or make a full heart commitment to Jesus for the very first time, I'm going to ask you on the count of three just to raise your hand in the balcony in the main floor. Your hand going up is saying, I need Jesus. And today, I'm going on record. Today, I'm going to make a commitment to Jesus. Today, I, I'm going all the way. It's not a trite moment. It's not just a trivial thing you're doing. It's a full heart commitment to give your life to Jesus Christ. 
as Savior and Lord. And if that's you, on the count of three, raise your hand. So here it is. Here's the question. I put it to your heart. Do you need the Lord? Raise your hand. One, two, three. That's me. Just hold it up for a moment. Just hold it up. Balcony main floor. Yes. 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 Bless you. Bless you. You can put your hand down. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to lead you into a moment of personal surrender. Right where you're seated, that's your altar. And the scripture says, whosoever, and God will save them whenever they call upon the name of the Lord. You're included because God said, whosoever, now is your whenever. It has to come from you. It won't be my prayer that will save you. It won't be my prayer that reconnects you to to God. It's your prayer. And it must include this. You acknowledge your need of God. You believe that Jesus Christ is God's only Son and Savior of the world. And number three, you confess Jesus as Lord and Savior at this moment. Father, There are probably 60, 80 hands that went up. People that have realized right now it's, they're in a journey back to God. They're reconnecting to the Lord. Their hearts have been drawn. Perhaps they realize today they're only here because a mother and a grandmother has prayed for them, has interceded and continued to call their name before God. And now they're reconnecting in a, in a very meaningful and and a full commitment to Christ. As they acknowledge that Jesus is God's only Son and Savior of the world, as they acknowledge their need and ask Jesus to come into their heart, as they acknowledge right now, Lord, take my life. Lord, take control of my life. As they acknowledge, God, they need you. And in a moment of repentance, in true, earnest surrender, say, from this day forward, I pray, God, you'll give them a making new moment. A making new moment in which old things pass away and they become new in Christ Jesus. I pray that for them. I pray the confirmation of the Holy Spirit will come, assuring them in their heart that they are children of the Most High God because of their commitment to the Lord. And I pray you'll honor that, God. And I pray, Lord, that their faith will continue to grow and be strengthened from this day forward. That from this day forward, they make quality decisions as a believer in Christ Jesus. And I bless them. And I pray over them your goodness. And now, for all of our moms and our grandmothers today, on this Mother's Day, whose heart is heavy for a son or a daughter, a grandson or a granddaughter that is still not serving the Lord. I pray, God, you'll encourage their spirit. Let them know their labor, their, their faith in the Lord is not in vain. And, God, that they will see their son and daughter come to know you and serve you. I pray that, God, give them confidence in their spirit to that end. And I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.